This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. friends so welcome back to the worth recovery podcast a podcast featuring excuse me a podcast featuring women and sex addiction my name is amy i'm your host here i'm a sex addict and i've been sober since december 2nd of 2012 and i'm glad to be back here with you on another episode this is episode 116 and we're titling this the courage to commit are you commitment phobic maybe you are that's okay We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the courage it takes to commit. Now, I am back from California. My last episode, I was in California visiting my grandfather. And uh, let's just say that it was really difficult. It was really hard. Um, My grandfather's getting old and uh, in the process of passing away. Um, And that's hard coming back off of uh, everything with my mom and other losses going on. Looking at losing a grandparent is uh, is difficult, um, and and that might be a little bit vague. And I'm gonna kind of leave it a little bit vague. I just have a lot I'm working through and a lot of grief, and I want to try to be really real and transparent with you. But I also need to work through some things sometimes before I can talk about them. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, grief is hard. Grief is so hard, and. Um, loss is hard and if any of you are in that process out there whatever that whatever it is that you're grieving or whatever it is that you've lost I'm sorry and uh I I can totally relate it's not the same I know but I can relate to that and um I hope that you take the time that you need and do the work that you need so that that grief doesn't uh get pent up inside you and doesn't get expressed I've noticed maybe because I'm grieving um I've noticed how much recently in the reading that I've done, how much people tie different addiction issues or different personality problems or different problems in life general to unexpressed grief. It's kind of amazing. Um, I've heard, you know, the addiction process uh, described as grief interrupted. Uh, If you're familiar with uh, John Bradshaw's work on shame, um, toxic shame, in his book, uh, Healing the Shame That Binds You, he talks about how shame is unexpressed grief. Um, I've been reading, an, yeah, just all sorts of things that I've read recently talk and tie a lot of things back to grief. So um, we're going to talk about that in upcoming episodes, the courage to grieve, the courage to uh, deal with your losses in a constructive way. But if that's you today, if you're grieving today, or if you're just barely starting to scratch the surface that maybe you need some things to grieve, um, I'm here with you. I feel that. And uh, and I just want you to know that you can do that and work through that. So do it. It's worth it. It's hard and it's worth it. Okay, back to the point here today. I am just all, I feel like I'm all over the place today. So hopefully this can all come out and make sense. Um, I have been talking with a lot of women recently. Um, as you know, I do recovery coaching and so you can get on my website and schedule a time to talk with me, um, and see if recovery coaching is the right thing for you. 
And I've been talking to a lot of women recently about recovery. And some of the questions and a lot of the questions that I get um, and a lot of the women that I've been speaking with, they've been trying things for a lot of years, maybe. Maybe this is like their seventh, eighth, ninth time really trying to commit to recovery. And I hear a theme a lot that says, I just, I just can't make it stick or I just am not, I'm commitment phobic or I just can't seem to make recovery work for me. Or maybe they've been trying certain things for a long time or they've been working with a sponsor and, and things just don't seem to be moving the right direction. And they just feel like they can't seem to make progress in their lives. And a lot of it comes back to this idea that, you know, they say like, I can't keep commitments. <laughs> I don't keep commitments to myself. I don't keep commitments to other people. Um, you know, I can't stay committed to my marriage. I can't, you know, all sorts of things like I have a problem with commitment. And that's a general theme that I hear a lot of times. And and I'll tell you, it's one that I've really struggled with as I've uh, been working this, you know, early this month to work on my mindset and do the talking back challenge. I hope you've joined me on the talking back challenge. Uh, one of the themes that keeps coming up for me is that I can't keep commitments I make to myself. Um, that's one of the negative limiting beliefs about myself that, that holds me back. I can't keep commitments to myself. And maybe that's something that you struggle with too, keeping commitments to yourself or to others or things like that. I was listening to another podcast this week, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the Thanks for Sharing podcast, which I adore, but uh, they had a guest on who was talking about commitment and this guest um, it had a, uh, a substance abuse problem, but he was describing about, he's kind of telling a story and, and he's like, no matter where I was, no matter what was going on in my life, it, you know, when I wanted to act out, I could act out. I would act, I was committed to acting out. And that's the words he used. Like when there was one crack house, you know, 50 miles away from my, from my place. Like if I wanted that fix, I was committed. I could make that happen. And they were kind of laughing about it. And I was really laughing too, because it reminded me so much of my own acting out. When I want to act out, I am committed to acting out. I will move mountains, drive miles, you know, whatever it takes to find the acting out partner I want and to, and to act out. I remember, um, a particular instance right before I got into recovery, about maybe six or eight months before I got into recovery, I, I was on one of those trips, right? Like I wanted to act out. I wanted to act out and I wanted a specific partner, um, to act out with. And so I had never met this gentleman. We'd only text back and forth. And, uh, yeah, anyway, it was kind of a stupid story, but I like, I drove two and a half hours to meet him in the middle of where we lived, um, to act out. And the whole time I was driving, I remember like, I'm trying to talk myself out of it. Like, you don't even like this guy. You're not even really attracted to this guy physically. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you driving this far to act out? Two and a half hours there. I spent a couple hours with him. Um, and the minute I got there, I was like, I need to get out of here. Like, I don't even want to be here. I had, I was getting to that point, that kind of bottom point for me, you know, like right before I entered recovery where, Everything in my life did not make sense. And I was starting to unravel and see all of that. And uh, the minute I got there, the minute I met him, I was like, I, 
I don't even want to be here. I don't want to be here. And rather than like pack up and drive home another two and a half hours, I hung out with him for a few hours. We went and got some food. He wanted to act out. I didn't want to act out. And for the first time in my life, I was like, I don't want to act out. I don't want to do this. And I got in my car and drove home. And he was mad. He was super mad. Super mad. And it just didn't go well. But I remember the whole process of like, I'm committed to acting out, right? I drove two and a half hours there. I hung out with him for two hours. And then I drove two and a half hours home. Seven hours to to do, well, we didn't end up acting out, but I was committed to that process. I was committed to acting out. And when I got into recovery, I found it really difficult to keep commitments. Um, I would commit to myself. I mean, how many times did I commit to myself that I wasn't going to act out anymore? Oh, so many times. And it never stuck, right? It just didn't stick. And I, I remember this whole idea of, you know, not being able to keep commitments, but yet being super committed in my recovery, in my addiction, in being able to act out, in wanting to act out, I should say, not being able to, but in wanting to act out. So it got me thinking a lot about this idea of commitment and how much we struggle with keeping commitments to ourselves. And we, I mean, we could go on and on and on about this for ages, about why we struggle to keep commitments for to ourselves, the lack of self-esteem or value that we have in ourselves. And I think that's a huge part in it. And we're going to get there in a second. But before we get there, I want to tell you one more story and then kind of tie this together. So one of the, um, you know that I'm a math teacher. I taught high school for, I think, eight years. And I've taught math um, and I've taught uh, high school, uh, at the university, I currently teach at the university level mathematics. And, um, one of the things that, you know, we really struggled with, especially when I was teaching high school, one of the things I struggled with was this kind of like mindset that students had coming into my ninth grade algebra class, right? So some of you are probably already having bad memories about your ninth grade uh, math experience because uh, a lot of people struggle with math, right? And I remember, um, teaching ninth grade. And as a teacher, it's really difficult um, for ninth grade algebra. It can be, was where I taught, because most of the kids coming into my class failed eighth grade math. And most of the kids coming into eighth grade had failed seventh grade math. And some of the students that I had, I remember one particular class, um, I did the, I did the numbers on it to kind of figure it out. So like over 50% of my class, if I'm remembering right, it was like 57% of my class had failed mathematics since third grade. So you fail math in third grade, and now here you sit in a ninth grade class, and you're expected to learn algebra. Well, that's really, really difficult for students, because everything that you learn in algebra is predicated on learning 8th grade and 7th grade and 6th grade and 5th grade and 4th grade and 3rd grade math, right? Math is one of those things that it builds on each other, right? Skill sets that build on each other. And math's not the only thing that's way. That that is that way. Most of our life is that way. It's skill sets that build on each other. You learn, you know, this when you're little and then you learn the next step and you learn the next step, right? You learn to identify your own emotions and then you start to see emotions in other people and then you learn to be empathetic. And it's like these skill sets that build on each other. Mathematics is particularly that way in high school. And so students coming into my ninth grade class, um, well, it was difficult because I could move them from like third grade to seventh grade, which is a huge accomplishment. 
and they would still fail ninth grade algebra, right? And this kind of pattern creates what we call um, a fixed mindset. Um, it creates the, that dialogue in your head that says, I'm not good at math. I can't succeed at math right? And even if you might make big jumps or big accomplishments, like third grade to seventh grade, right? Maybe the student comes in and can't do anything with fractions or negative numbers. But by the time they leave, they are experts at fractions and negative numbers. And yet they still can't pass algebra because they can't graph lines. Well, that's that's a problem, right? I mean, they of course they can't pass because they can't do this, the target, but they have made some progress. And over the years, as they've been studying brains and brain research, and, and they've learned things like brain plasticity, right? Neuroplasticity, which means that your brain does evolve and continues to grow new patterns over time. Uh, we used to think that brains were kind of fixed, right? That like, I just wasn't good at math. And no matter what I did, I would never be good at math, right? Like that was kind of a, how, what we believed about brains. But from research for the last few years, we've learned that that's not true. That neuroplasticity means that our brains can grow. We can make new connections. We can uh, learn new things. Even, you know, even getting into our 80s or 90s. My grandfather is an awesome example of that. He is currently 87 and um, incredibly adept at the computer. Most 87 year olds are not so great, you know, at trying to make things work. But my grandfather is and has been. Uh, when computers came out, he challenged himself to learn. He was an engineer, and so he needed to learn CAD and different things that came out and different programs and projections and calculations and all that kind of stuff. And so he committed himself and did that. And my grandmother was the same way. Uh, she was really into genealogical research and family history and trying to find different names and different people she was related to. And so she forced herself to learn the computer and spent a lot of time learning that and was really adept at it. And our brains continue to grow. They can continue to grow if we put forth the effort and work. So that's the whole idea of neuroplasticity, that you can continue to grow. And we have research on, on that, on how that happens. It's solid. Now, out of that idea came this whole movement that we call growth mindsets. If you're, if you have kids in elementary school or, um, it's where it's popular right now, even in high school, uh, you'll see, you might see a lot of this, this idea of growth mindset, because if you believe, if you have a fixed mindset, if you believe I'm not good at math, right. And you keep telling yourself, I'm just not good at math. 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 The problem with that is it shuts down your effort level. You just say, I'm not good at it. So I'm not going to try as hard. Or I just can't learn math. I've tried for years and I just can't learn it. So I'm not going to put forth the effort. And we start to shut down that ability that we have, our brain has to grow and to make new connections. And so when I was in teaching high school, we started with this whole idea of growth mindset. What, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to have a growth mindset? And that means that we celebrate our effort level and our progress even though it might not be success, right? Success in ninth grade was to pass algebra and a lot of these students did not pass algebra. Yet I could show them, <clears throat> excuse me, that they had moved three or four, sometimes even five grade levels in their mathematics ability, but that didn't matter to them because they didn't pass algebra. And that's a struggle, right? So like 
trying to apply that to recovery. You might have made tons of progress and yet you relapsed. Okay. And so you're like, I'm just a failure. I'm going to throw it out the window, right? Like I didn't pass that test. And, and so you keep telling yourself, I'm just not good at this. Recovery doesn't work. It doesn't stick for me. I'm just set to be an addict for the rest of my life. I can't make this happen. And if you're wondering why I can come up with all those sentences, it's because those are the things I told myself when I was struggling, you know, when I would relapse after so much progress. And it took a lot of effort on my part and on my therapist encouraging me to, to remind myself that I've made a lot of progress, right? I may not have hit the mark exactly, but I made a lot of progress. And that's kind of what growth mindset is, that ability to celebrate and recognize the progress that we made, even though we might not have hit the target. That's essential for us in recovery because it takes time. I mean, I've told you lots of times, it took me 18 months. Once I was in recovery, I've heard stories of people that, you know, they go to their first meeting and they never act out again. I mean, that's, to me, that's like a miracle. That's miraculous. Or people that go to their first AA meeting and never pick up a drink again. That's impressive. And if that's your story, I'm super inspired by that. That was not my story. My story was I went to a meeting and I relapsed that week. That was my story. And it took me 18 months of relapsing to finally build the skill set, right? To make up that gap of emotional skills to be able to handle things that were happening in a way that didn't drive me to act out. It was like I was going into recovery, you know, into ninth grade with a third grade maths level, right? And I had to make up all of that skill set somehow in order to learn the things that I needed to learn in order to stay, finally stay sober and, and start growing in recovery, really growing and be able to stabilize my life. Now, how does this all go back to commitment? First of all, it takes a level of commitment to stay in recovery, right? And that growth mindset is what helps to fuel that level of commitment that says, okay, yeah, I screwed up. Okay, I relapsed. Okay, I didn't handle that situation very well, right? Maybe I, you know, shouldn't have said that, or maybe I should have said something different, or maybe I need a boundary there, or whatever the deal is. And we start to recognize all these different things and we didn't handle things very well. And maybe we've relapsed. Maybe we had a year of sobriety and then went off the deep end. I've seen that happen several times with many different people. Maybe you had four or five years of sobriety and then went off the deep end. Okay. Maybe you haven't ever been able to get a month of sobriety. 30 days is just like out of your reach and you just have never been able to make that happen. Okay. Okay. Okay to all of that. The deal, the question to ask yourself is, what is your commitment level to recovery? Are you committed to recovery? Are you really committed to learning that skill set, that emotional skill set that you haven't had before to be able to deal with life in general without acting out in some way? Now, that's the question of the day. How committed are you to recovery? And I would say there's a couple things that really you need to think about in this this idea of courage to commit, having the courage to commit. 
For years, I told myself when I, you know, before entering recovery that I was just broken, you know, that, um, that there was something fundamentally wrong with me and that that was why I needed to act out sexually, that there was just something fundamentally wrong and broken inside me. And I remember telling my therapist that over and over and over and over again. And I remember the first time he said to me, I think it's time that you challenge that thought, Amy. Like that you challenge that thought that you're fundamentally broken. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time or how I how I would make that happen, how I would challenge that thought. But he gave me an exa- several examples of ways that I was not broken and that people around me were maybe broken. And that helped me to recognize, oh, okay, like maybe... Maybe this is, maybe what's going on here is just a combination of things that have caused this problem in my life. And listening to that and understanding that issue made a huge difference for me, challenging these thoughts that I'm broken. That's what this mindset work is about that we're doing with the the talking back challenge, challenging the thoughts that keep us from fully committing to recovery. The other idea to think about is this concept of, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the skills that we learned in recovery or no backtrack, a lot of skills that we learned in addiction, right? Um, they really helped us to act out. We were experts at acting out. Like I said, I was committed to acting out when I made the decision that I was going to act out. There was nothing that could stop that. Um, and sometimes because of our double lives and the things that we were doing and our trauma and other issues, we've kind of compartmentalized that commitment level, right? We've said, okay, I'm super committed to acting out, but in all other areas of my life, I'm not committed to anything. I can't keep a commitment. That I know that a lot of people that have that, right? And maybe you do too in your life. You have something that you're super committed to and that you don't miss, whether that's some of you, I know that's like the gym. I don't miss the gym. Or for some of you, that's, you know, work, like I am a workaholic or I'm never late, or maybe it's, maybe so that you're never late. That's your commitment, right? That you have an area of your life where you have commitment. Maybe it's, I keep and follow a budget and I'm totally like to the penny, you know, really good at that. Or maybe that's, I'm committed to helping my friends and I'm really good at making sure that my friends get all the things, the help that they need. You probably have an area of your life that you are committed in. And somehow you've compartmentalized that commitment level. You've built up walls and said, in this area of my life, I'm committed. And you haven't let that commitment kind of permeate the other areas of your life, right? So, you know, if we're committed to acting out, why can't we be committed to, you know, calling our sponsor on a regular basis? Why can't we be committed to going to our 12-step meeting on a regular basis? If I would drive two and a half hours to go and act out, I mean, that's two meetings just on the way there and two meetings on the way back. That's four meetings plus the two hours I spent there. That's two more meetings. That's six hours worth of meetings. Now I would drive and act out that way, but you know, am I willing to find six hours in my week to go to meetings if that's what I need in order to recover? Right? Like I've built up these kind of walls around my commitment level and I'm not willing to let that permeate into other areas of my life. And that's one of the problems that we have in recovery is we have areas of our life where we're committed, but we have to break down those walls and let that commitment seep into other areas of our life. And that's kind of difficult to do. 
it takes an examination, you know, why am I so committed to this thing? Like, what's the payoff I'm getting that makes me so committed? Why am I so committed to going to the gym? Because afterwards, I feel awesome, right? Or um, I feel stronger. Or it feels like an emotional release and I'm able to kind of, you know, handle things better. Okay? So now use those ideas around other things in your life to build some commitment level. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So in recovery, we need a high level of commitment because this is some of the hardest work I've ever done in my entire life. Not some of. It is the hardest work I've ever done in my entire life is recovery. And if I didn't have a growth mindset, if I wasn't looking at the success that I've had along the way and I was only looking at the goal, I don't know that I would have stayed long enough to get the payoff. I don't know. I don't think I would still be here. 18 months is a long time to kind of flounder and not really hit that goal that you want. And, but I had people in my life that were helping me to celebrate the successes that I was making and the progress that I was making along the way. I remember one of the first times I got into my therapist's office after I had relapsed and I was pretty much a wreck. I was sobbing. I couldn't really control myself and I was just so distraught and disappointed and uh, I could, I just could barely talk. And I remember him thinking, like, he kind of gave me this quizzical look. And then he said, Amy, like, I'm not trying to downplay what happened or diminish, you know, what happened here. But let's look at what you did compared to what you would have done six months ago. He's like, so this time around, yes, you masturbated. But was there pornography involved? No. Okay. That's, that's progress. Was there another person involved? No. Okay. That's progress too, right? You're not acting out with somebody else. And he kind of went through this list. Like, you know, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And you didn't do this. You didn't lie about it this time. That was huge progress for me. The first several times that I relapsed, I totally lied about it. It took me a couple weeks before I would fess up to it, um, to my therapist or even to my recovery circle. Um, and so like, he kind of walked me through this idea of like, you, yeah, you might be struggling and this might not be, you know, the mark that you want to be at, but you are making progress. And so I just like to propose today that you evaluate your commitment level in recovery. I've done this recently as I was kind of thinking and preparing for this. There are some areas of my, my recovery that I am 100% committed and I never miss. But there are some areas of my recovery where I'm only like half-assing it. And there are some areas of my recovery where I really haven't been putting a lot of effort. And it was a really good exercise for me to kind of think about all of those different things that, re- that recovery requires of me and to kind of evaluate where I'm at. I've gotten a little bit lazy in some of the areas of my recovery. And m- maybe lazy is not the right term. Um, I've had a lot of other things going on. <laughs> so with my mom and stuff, I think I've been distracted might be the better term. But I, uh, I've started again, and I'm excited about some of the things going on and some of the things that I'm going to work on and move forward on. And so today, I'd like you to think about your commitment level to recovery. I've shared before that the statistics tell us from what we can gather that one in 18 will stay in the rooms of recovery. One in 18 people will stay in recovery longer than five years. I'm one of those, I'm that person. I'm the one in 18, right? I've been in recovery. I've been sober for five years and I have been in recovery for six and a half years since I started my first therapy and 12-step meeting. 
So six and a half years. I'm one of those people. And what's really sad to me is that there are 17 that didn't make it. And I did. And I would like to change that number any way that I can and have more people stay in recovery, have more women stay in recovery and get the help that they need and change their lives. So today I ask you to commit, make a commitment this week, make a commitment to be more committed to recovery, whatever that means. If that means you're going to be more committed to doing what your sponsor tells you to do, awesome. If that means you're going to commit more to your 12-step meeting and you're going to go on a weekly basis and participate, awesome. If that means you're going to be more committed to your marriage and trying to uh, change things with your partner, awesome. Whatever that means for you, make it happen. Make that commitment that says, I am going to be better and work on developing that growth mindset and celebrating your successes along the way. If you've fallen out of recovery because you've relapsed or things got busy in your life or whatever the situation is, find that courage to step back in. Um, because recovery is what is going to change your life. It's going to make things better and it's going to help you to live the life that you want to live. So get on Facebook. I'm going to post on Facebook today, a couple of the changes or the commitments that I'm making. Why don't you get on Facebook and join us and make a commitment? Tell us what you're committed to doing. What are you going to do to commit further and deeper to your recovery? and make that happen this year for you, the year of courage. If you haven't joined us already on the Talking Back Challenge, do it. You can join us on the website, uh, www.worthrecovery.com. The Talking Back Challenge is a 30-day challenge where you're going to talk back to the shameful voices in your head and really start to challenge a lot of those thoughts. Like my therapist helped me do with my own Um, thoughts about being fundamentally broken. I don't feel that way at all anymore. I don't feel broken at all, which itself is a miracle. So get on the, on the Facebook, get on the Facebook, (laughs) get on. I have a friend that calls it book face, get on book face, Um, get on the website. That's really what I meant to say. The website, www.worthrecovery.com and join the talking back challenge. It's just an email that comes to you every day and helps you to walk through that process of writing your own talking back statements and then um, helps you to remind you to read them to yourself every day and what to do with them. So join us. I'd love to have you join us. Also, you can join us at the Courage Conference. So we've got our first one coming up for 2018 in Salt Lake City on February 24th, the Courage Conference, and it is going to be awesome. So it's $89 if you join us, if you buy your ticket before February 1st. So you've got a couple more weeks uh, to get your ticket at the reduced rate. And after that, it will go up to $99. So we'd love to have you join us in Salt Lake City um, and talk about courage and finding that courage to stay in recovery. So, oh, a big shout out also to my Worth Warriors. Ladies, I love you. I love you so much. Uh, look for your email with a special discount for your um, the Courage Conference if you want to join us. So I think that's everything, right? I hope that you remember that no matter where you're at today, no matter your courage level, no matter your commitment level, no matter what's going on, you are worth recovery. You are 100% worth it. You are not fundamentally broken. You just have a gap in your skill set right? You're like a third grader. You got like third grade math skills and you're entering, you know, I wouldn't even say algebra. I'd say like 
uh, calculus. And recovery helps you build up that skill set, mind that gap, helps you fill in that gap, back fill those holes so that you can perform in mathematics or in life the way that you want to. And I know that you can do that. And if you don't believe that, okay, join the Talking Back Challenge so you can challenge those thoughts. And trust me, because I do 100% believe that, that you can make this happen in your life, no matter what's going on. I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.